Modest Mouse with Styrofoam Boots and some other longer second half of the name, which I don't remember. Happy 2014, everybody. This is our first podcast of the new year. Uh, in fact, it is our first annual holiday, probably depressing, or very depressing holiday show, uh, is what we're going to run this as. I'm here with uh, my co-director of the Green Side Campaign and also happens to be brother, David Hostetter. Welcome, David. It's Hostetter. It's an ongoing battle. We'll figure out who wins. My name, of course, is Stephen Hostetter uh, of the Green Side of Campaign. I should announce myself as well. Thanks for laughing at me, Dave. But today's episode is going to be all about uh, whether or not the world is getting better. And the reason why I chose this, actually, was I was at a thing at the CSI Annex a couple months ago, and they asked this question. They asked, they asked us how to have a big circle. We had to go from, basically, if we thought the world was completely fucked, to we thought the world was doing great, or if the world was definitely getting better or definitely getting worse, and sort of a big circle. And what was interesting to me was that most people, most people thought it was getting better. Most people went to the better side, and then there was a couple of us clumped over in the getting worse side. Um, and I think it really has to do with... If you weren't an environmentalist, you thought it was getting better. And if you were an environmentalist, you thought it was getting worse. That sort of seemed the break that I saw. One of the people who was, uh, who was there saying whether or not it was a good thing, or arguing that it was good, used the uh, Martin Luther quote, Martin Luther King quote, uh, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it tends towards justice. Which I think is interesting because it's it's definitely true. And we're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of uh, benefits and improvements uh, over the years. There was another there was an article recently that was that was out why 2013 was the best year ever and had all these sort of social justice victories and stuff. stuff. But as environmentalists, it's sort of with climate change, it's hard to really feel that way. So I'm going to throw this one over on you, Dave. Is the world getting better or getting worse? What are your thoughts? Well, I think I think to you, I think the idea that the world is getting better always tends towards inevitably towards. Um, better in whatever sense you you'd consider it is is often like an an excuse or can be used as a reason or justification for not really enacting change in your own actions or your own life or what beliefs you put forward uh, in your actions or whether or not you'd be living out what you actually believe in because there's always the deference towards some other um some other party or some other third workers other than yourself who would be who would be enacting this so-called inevitable trend towards um, things getting better. Um, but I think also to think that things are inevitably getting worse, it's still, it's still like, to take either side is a, is a, is a fatalist interpretation of, of the arc of history in that uh, there's nothing really the individual can do. And it, I think it ignores, it ignores the, um, the, all, the, all, the constant possibility of, the, of, of immediate change or, 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 like you think of something like the, the 1930s stock crash, that's something like in the 20s, everything feels like, oh, everything's just great, everything's getting better, and immediately something happens and it gets worse. It's not as if it's trending towards getting worse or, or predictably getting worse. It just something happens. And then, when, then once 1930, the Depression hits, you could argue that as soon as that hits, that's the low, and then it's getting better, moving towards the New Deal. Of course, Hitler's obviously getting more power at the same time. But, I mean, I think even as things are getting worse... Um, like you think of greater and greater wars, greater and greater possibility of wars or, or resource depletion, it is true that things get better at the same time. So it's a constant, it's a constant getting better and getting worse. And in, in terms of the flux overall, I think currently we'd have to say that in, within the next, say, in the next 50 years, 
of what we see, things are currently getting worse. Mm. Just in terms of the, the I mean, it, it, for Westerners, especially, like, just in terms of, at least Americans. Like, right. just, <laughs> just in terms of, like, the, the, the inevitable decline of, of American world power, American ideals clearly failing, uh, in general. Ooh. <laughs> Big shot. Well, I mean, if we, if we think of, if we think of the last 30 years as a trend towards smaller government, and smaller and, and more more emphasis on free market business. Hmm. I'm assuming you mean specifically in the United States. Specifically in the United States, also in like you could have Thatcher and Reagan, hmm. and since then, okay, right. So so in Britain, not in Germany, uh, but the EU is arguably an expansion of of government power. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, the like individual individual ideals of politicians hmm. and and voters. Like, there's the idea, at least in Canada especially, that even, like, with all the Harper government cuts to services, that we simply can't afford to have those services. So it's inevitable that we should be doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just an, it's a, it's a, it's an overwhelming, it's just a, uh, pervasive ideal of, um, smaller government. I mean, I think in the short term, we have to think of our scarcity of resources, or at least what's being reported scientifically, um, as a, as a, as a, as an immediate trend towards things getting worse. Like, there are obviously mounting problems that we're trying to solve as a society, but crises themselves and terrible things are impetuses for better change. So if something terrible happens, that could just be a, a stepping stone towards something greater than what we have now. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if there's some sort of overarching trend towards shittiness or things getting better. But that it goes and it fluctuates and fluctuates, and maybe we'll be able to say 150 years from now that we're better off than we are now. But maybe we won't. Hmm. Ah, so you so you're refusing to take either side, basically. You're, you think that we're simultaneously getting things better and worse at the exact same time, and to argue that one or the other is definitely more the case, say, is a futile attempt, or at well, least one or the other is always more the case in, in any given time. Hmm. But in terms of overall, um, art, I mean, if we think of the evolution of the human species, we'd have to say that yes, it is getting better because. If we are able to evolve ourselves um, ethically, physically, um, and come to greater scientific and, uh, you could say, spiritual understanding, whatever mm. type of understanding. I mean, understanding is always improved, but also there are dark ages in which ignorance pervades. So it's like, I think overall, like evo- the evolution of the human species is always, you can always consider it better. Mm-hmm. But in any given time space, it could be getting better or worse okay. for the generation that's currently right. dealing with things. All right. Well, let's let me let me. Uh, uh, there's a, there's an interesting point, and I want to I want to get your opinion on it. If we look at say the human history of the last, say we'll even go the last say four thousand to we'll say yeah four thousand ish years. So we'll go back two thousand. We'll go back two thousand B two thousand BC. You sort of get into, until now. Human life uh, life spans have been increasing, perhaps not the entire time, but they've definitely from from there now we're living dramatically longer lives. More people are are living. We're living in a, a sense of ease that has never before been been available. When any person is born to when they die, uh, at least in the last, especially more recently, they've seen an improvement sort of 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 human lifespans of our understanding of things. We sort of things that are available to them at when they're eighty were not available to them when they were 15 or 20. Mm-hmm. And maybe they don't like the tech, new technology, maybe they don't like how it's changed humanity, but they can do things they couldn't do before. Mm. Uh, and that's been the case basically for a very, very long time. I don't know enough about history to say when the that's last time... That's a technological time, thing, right? It's a technological thing, but I think it's also it also includes human prosperity to some extent. Sort of the idea that you can live longer, or the idea that you can know more. 
Like, I always like bringing up John Stuart Mill as sort of understood as the last man to know everything. And that's not uh, because I love the title. It's a fantastic and awesome title. But also because of the idea that... Wait, that the title? John Stuart Mill was known as the last man to know everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, there's an argument about who it was. Some people think it goes, goes far as back as Aristotle. It is the idea of the last man. Exactly. Well, the, 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 the fact that he, at some point there's so much more knowledge that one person couldn't be the leader of everything, basically. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that, that's what I find interesting. Um, but at the same time, I'm wondering if we're coming up to a point, and we, sort of, we talked about the arm again a couple days ago, and I think we can come back to that a little bit, um, which is a funny segue. Uh, but I, I'm, what I'm wondering is if at some point soon we're going to come to a place where our children won't be able to do what they, our children can do at age 20, they won't be able to do at age 8. What uh, do you mean? Well, like, will we start seeing a regression? Basically, like right now, we can fly wherever we want. We oh, have yeah. basically unlimited resources at our disposal. We can do like you and I basically are in a, a bubble of prosperity that is the Western world, and can do almost whatever we want with almost any with like with very few consequences. Mm. Like a golden age. Exactly. We, we're living in a very we're living in a very very prosperous time for ourselves for ourselves. And with the onset of climate change, and as more and more things become more dangerous, and as, as more and more countries have to sort of deal with climate change refugees and all of these other difficulties that are going to come with climate change, I wonder if we're going to see in our lifetimes what we can do now or in, say, when we're 30 and 35 will be actually unavailable to the generation after Technologies will be made available due to resource depletion? Resource depletion, the way sort of... The, the way climate change will affect, like, we're going to start seeing, you know, coastal cities have to put more and more energy into defending themselves mm-hmm. from just the weather rather than anything else. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting studies about, you know, about what New York and, and New Orleans and all these other countries are going to have to do to really solve that problem. Mm-hmm. I think as more, as, as more and more resources go to keeping us alive on the planet, less and less resources can go to sort of just making lives so easy. Mm-hmm. Like, right now we live in a world where literally everything we want is convenience. That's all yeah. we get. Uh, and I'm wondering if we're going to see in our lifetimes, mm-hmm. will we live in a world where that isn't actually the case anymore? Yeah, well, I mean, well, I think to say, to say that uh, having all these technologies available to us is, is inherently better is an aspect of the glorification of the possibility of specialization in that, like I was just reading this thing about uh, the open source technology dude with the, mm-hmm. with the self-sustaining which I'll post under this podcast so you understand that. Yeah, open source ecology is the, is the website. But he talks about how he graduated, he did a PhD in fusion physics, and mm-hmm. he was working on one small aspect of uh, a fusion reactor, which, I mean, would allow, would allow us to overcome energy scarcity. And, but he realized he was working on one small part of a one small part of it, and he was alienated, or at least siloed with business language, yeah. uh, from his colleagues because they were competing for uh, resource, uh, re- uh, research funding. So they don't really, they don't even share their ideas because they need to keep them holed up in these little things to mm-hmm. be able to get funding for themselves individually. And so it's that type of specialization that actually leads to inefficiency, mm-hmm. um, where one person can only do one aspect of one thing, and everybody just needs to, to focus on their their individual tasks. And so, I mean, to, to think of being able to fly places, and yeah, I mean, it's good to have all of this technology available to us. We don't have to know how to do virtually anything. Mm-hmm. We just plug stuff in, and it works. It's not necessarily it, it's not it's not necessarily better to to not have to know how to do these things. Like there, there's there's a, there's another aspect of it which where you could say that um, it, it's better to be able to fix someone's bone and also be able to program a computer and also be able to comfort someone when they're dying and even aid in childbirth and and have, have a versatility and robustness of the of the individual human capability. Hmm. 
based around necessity instead of uh, simply buying products from corporations, plugging them in, using them. Um, it's, it's sort of, you, you can link it to like the the idea of IKEA, right? Like we like IKEA feels good because we build it ourselves, even though we get, <laughs> we're given the kit. If if we're able to open if we're able to openly source uh, designs for things, then you can have individuals autodidactically um, learning skills and becoming more versatile in their abilities. And so they're not just specializing in these various things thanks to um, the abundance of technology, technological resources. Right. And so you're arguing that the forcing people to have to become more like that because of the fact that we're losing some of this ability of special specialization or mm-hmm. some of the globalization aspect is a, could be considered a positive step forward for humanity. Definitely. I mean, and, and you think of like older people being overwhelmed by all this new technology, they may, they may or may not consider it a good thing, or they may or may not consider the children to be better off. And as if like, Oh, we fought for all this. And now all these people have these amazing things that we fought for in our lives. Mm. And you, you can think of someone even, what was it? There are the Christian religious wars in Europe between, I guess, Protestantism and Catholicism. Someone growing up, and then immediately that war starts, and it's there for the rest of their lives. Sure, maybe society will become more integrated or more um, technological during that time, but obviously things are, are worse off politically and socially mm-hmm. than they were when that person was born. So I, I, don't, I don't think simply... Like, unless it was a, like a radical technological change, that, that, over, that overcomes other problems that, that technologies have had. Yeah, I mean, I think if we lose, if we lose technology, it's not it's not necessarily worse. I mean, it could be harder on individual lives and and, and rougher living. Hmm. It, it it could be considered a stepping stone, or it could be it, it, even if we lose, like if if we consider this go, this golden age, if you will, unsustainable, then it necessarily must go somewhere. Right. And it's not necessarily worse to no longer be sure. It's less comfortable, but it could be a more fulfilling life to to not be so specialized. Hmm. It's interesting you brought up the specialization because that's a. That isn't somewhere that I would necessarily have gone with it, but it's a, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's true. The specialization really is what has allowed these lives to sort of uh, uh, really specialization. And what makes the technology so good because we right. can focus on individual things instead of having to worry about whether or not we can heat our food. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Our specialization has really led to the to the world we live in uh, in the positive ways that it can. But back into the question of whether or not the world is actually getting worse or better currently, uh, currently on a on a on a time scale of of fifty years. Sure. What I always do, whenever I think about the world as we live it now, and I had a very interesting conversation a while back with a friend of mine because we were talking about whether or not, basically, if you lived a normal life today, whether or not that life was good or bad. As in, like, if you... A normal life where? In, in Toronto. Like, if you grew up in... If you were born anywhere, came to, came to in Toronto, had did schooling, had two kids, lived in, like, the Scarborough, and drove to work every day... And that's basically what you did. You had normal jobs, nothing negative or positive to your job, just doing something required in society. And I, for a while, I, and I had this interesting crisis of conscience about whether or not I thought that was actually, if that was a positive on, an impact on the world or negative. Because, like, you can make sides for, arguments for both. Like, just generally, this person's not doing anything bad. They probably care about things. Either they vote for more, more just options. So that's great. But if at the same time, they're, they're you know, they're supporting the fuel, the, the fossil fuel industry by, by driving a car, they're buying a ton of things because of the consumerist culture we live in, can you argue that they're doing a more positive and negative? And then the person, the, the interesting argument that I got back from the person was, well, Yes, you have to argue they're doing positive because of all the good that society itself brings everyone else in society. Mm. That was, and that was their defense was that here's look at all the things the government does and all the things that sort of society does to help people 
in ways that in ways that they never would be held before. Uh, I'm always blown away whenever not blown away, but I'm always no, not always. Whenever occasionally when I think about it, I'm blown away at the amazingness of whenever I see someone in a mechanized wheelchair going around doing their own business by themselves. It, that person would be a shut-in a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. That person's life would be com- like that person's life would be so difficult and nearly impossible. And yet now it's it's they can live an, a pretty functioning life, like a high functioning life, and have a full life without even the aid of other people necessarily, or not without too much aid of other people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I think whenever I, tr- tr- I get down on the world, that's something I go back to is like look at this person's life who theoretically should have sucked. Or could would have sucked any other time, uh, but now we actually have systems in place where that's actually it's fulfilling, and they're they're living a life that would not be possible for them in the past. That's what gets me. I think part of the technology sort of thing is that kind of is that kind of life is like, look, that's someone living a way that I just would be impossible, and I think that's really uh, that's what always gets me. So so when so when I think almost that's why when I get further when I I, I did say that I thought the world's getting worse, and I think that's only because of climate change. And if we actually get enough to sort of stop it, I like I'm I'm in the process of writing an article that hopefully will be out in the next couple of weeks uh, called "When I'm 60," which will be entirely based about sort of what the world will look like in 2050 due to climate change models and all this sort of other stuff. Mm. And it's a scary, scary place, basically. It, that's it's 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 going to be a crazy, crazy ta- time. It, it, there's a lot of things, especially as climate change refugees increase. It's going to be there's going to be some serious decisions and some serious, serious issues with with some of these major problems uh, that we're going to face. And I wonder if, unless we can come up with a better way to redistribute wealth, because that's the other thing about about, about this argument is that in the last 20, 30 years, income disparity has skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Which I think is something that has to change, or else, or else we'll see the exact same thing. And why, and along with income disparities has skyrocketed, we've seen this other simultaneous effect of the honest day's work being sort of devalued a lot of ways. What do you mean honest day's work? Like a, like, uh, we've come to a place where if you are, if you are a general laborer, like if you work in a lumber yard or something, and you get, make $40,000 a year. I mean, it's less easy to make a living doing that. No, 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 not even that. Not even, not even, it's less easy. Like, you know how easy it is? It's, it, it, we've become obsessed with making money, I think. And the money is, is, a, is, money is what matters in value. So if you're a stockbroker or, or someone who just plays the stock market and makes $100,000, you're seen as higher status, even though you actually add limited value. Or if you're a day trader, you probably add no value to anyone. Well, sort of, this is the ideal of economic activity. They're, they're creating it's more exchange. Exactly, yeah. But, and, but, 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 but somehow that being valued more because of the fact that it's, because it makes more money, or uh, then the person who goes out and actually does something that's needed to get done. Yeah, I mean, it's a problem with the, ab- the, the abstraction of the monetary system in general. I mean, it, the labor value is completely abstracted into a non-perishable, invisible thing like electronic money. Mm. Um, and then the actual worth, the actual tilling of the land, yeah, becomes um, irrelevant to the, to the actions of, of, of many people's lives. Yeah. What I was getting there to that was, is that the combination, I think, of income disparity increasing and personal valuing of, uh, or, or human valuing of these sort of jobs that are, that are required but aren't necessarily huge money makers. The combination of those two things is, all, is, a, is a very strong negative thing, I think. Because if, if, you're, if you're going out there and working your ass off, not making a ton of money, barely scraping by, and then no one respects you for the hard work you're doing, you're not going to live a good life. 
Whereas, like, think about even, you know, 30, 40 years ago, life of a, a lot of these lives, things with these were jobs that need to get done. They were, and they were the respected jobs. And you just don't, you see a lot of like pushing people into the trade sort of thing, but it's, it's, it's so money based now. And so much like you have to have a specialized skill. It's going about specialization. Sometimes specialization should just be like, we need to get this done and you can do it. And I think there's that common, with that sort of income disparity increasing, uh, unless we see a, ch- a, a a reversion of that, we're going to see even more and more hardships because of climate change. And because climate change hits the poorest the hardest, if the rich don't want to help, they're screwed. I mean, it depends. Like, I mean, in in the in the hypothetical apocalyptic apocalyptic scenario, <laughs> the people with the skill, the people with the skills that you actually want, are those people who you're considering marginalized? Mm. The, the farmers and the builders and the and the and the, and the, the steel workers, right, and whatnot. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about you, but I don't actually envision any real apocalypse happening. I see a slow decay of civilization and then sort of an erosion of sort of the world into slums and super rich areas. That would be my but main how concern. Could, how could how could how could a capitalist system survive such a such a slow decay? It barely even makes sense. What's keeping people believing in money if if it, if it's simply an, a, a merely oppressive tool at that point? Well, because because it's currently it's the only system they know. It's the only system that's keeping them alive. Um, and it's the only system that's, uh, like, although, like, well, that's the good question, right? The question is, the big question is whether or not enough people will rise up and demand a change and demand a change to a more, a, a more, uh, democratic version of, of how the money flows. Um, and if yeah, enough I mean, people, and like Occupy Wall Street attempted this and ultimately it was a failure for reasons that we'll get into. Oh, but then again, one per, someone made a good point to me recently about the, defending Occupy Wall Street in that their messaging still exists to this day. You still hear about the one percent, yeah, and I mean, that one percent has is, is, is in a sense still alive. To some mean, extent, it can it can spring up at any point. We're, we're still we're still just now. I mean, I'm like fully understanding, or at least the the average person is fully understanding what actually happened with the the housing bubble collapse, like how how they were actually conned out of their own money, right? To to pay for to pay for people's quite literal frauding of of, of market exchange, right? Or frauding of uh, mortgage packages. So I mean, like it, because it, because it's an abstracted thing, like because it's an abstracted idea, it's it's hard to understand on an individual level what actually happened with this sort of weird abstract like banking error. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think I think the Occupy Wall Street is still alive in the sense of more and more average people are are, are considering the banking system and and the trading of people's debts to one another as ridiculous and like like people people with student loans like you can buy someone's student loan and make money off of it you can profit off somebody else's debt essentially as a, you know, well, as, as a, as a private it's what literally banks are doing yeah but, but they can also do it with student loans and in, individuals can buy them you know, like people can just own other people's debt so I mean once you put a face on the owner of your debt so you're a student and you borrowed money from whatever government uh, or, or uh, government subsidized funding thing uh, in the states, then you you have some exorbitant amount of debt, and if you it, once there's the knowledge that someone else has purchased your debt, say you're maybe paying it off at the profit of some private dude sitting in the Hollywood Hills mm. or wherever, there's a lot, lot less incentive to actually pay back that debt, and then you be, you begin a sort of uh, uh, a revolt of the I guess it would be debtee or indebted. debtor that would be debtor. I'm That's sure. the person with debt, the debtor. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, a, a revolt of the people who are who are simply inherently impressed by the perceived consensus of of the current system. But okay, uh, I'm gonna play the I'm gonna play the capitalist on this one. Um, arguably, the person who bought the who got the loan from the bank understood that they were getting X dollars for X more dollars, basically. I'm getting $100,000 right now mm-hmm. and at the price of $110,000. Um, the price of $200,000, depending on how long it takes you to pick up. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and that's an issue in itself. Is, is, and it's a big issue with credit cards. And it's the whole reason why credit card bubble mm-hmm. exploded is because people didn't really realize exactly how much they end up having to pay. Mm-hmm. But if you do, if, if the person going into that understands that I'm, pay, I'm paying X, I'm getting back yeah. Y, then whoever owns the money or whoever owns their debt mm. shouldn't technically matter because they've already entered the contract with this with this system anyway. True, but it, it puts it puts a more more obvious face on the on the ridiculous um, favoritism towards uh, the already privileged mm. that the education system, at least in the states and increasingly in Canada, mm. uh, creates. Because I mean, yeah, I mean, if you don't have the money up front to pay for school, you have to pay twice as much as the guy who did. Right. So it's like. With that idea alone, um, and the continuation of, as you say, a potential degradation of civilization, worse oppression, and worse, worse, uh, more inequality, fuels the seeds of, of of revolutionary ideas. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's it's uh, the hollowing out of government and the, and the glorification of of private capital it is is sustainable over a very long term at all. Mm. Because, I mean, it's just obvious to people that well, when they're being oppressed. And it's right. obvious to people when inequality feeds inequality. But, like, here's a question for you. If we presume that the world is getting worse because of income inequality and because of climate change, and we accept those two sort of things well, austerity as... austerity measures in the current uh, recession. Yes, and it, well, the austerity measures as well. Um, and, yeah, the fact, you know, the fact that you're seeing, like, you know, cutting of food stamps. Do you think a revolution is required? A, 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 that's not how bad it gets. Not a, rev- not a violent revolution, but let's mm-hmm. say, do you, like... Do we need to see a successful Occupy Wall Street? Do you need some people to be go out and like? Do we like? Can we fix the system through the system, or do we need such a display like, you know, like we've really seen to actually turn the tables of this sort of monolithic sort of ideal of of where we're going? I mean, I think it depends on the degree of attachment of those in power to the status quo and and other with those in power, people with the ability to change individual, to change things individually based on whatever their position is in society. In terms of a revolution, I think it requires a reorientation of um, our relationship towards essentially each other, but ultimately the earth. Because when you think about um, people who, people who are, people who have a ton of money now, Mm. um, the, the current system as it is with all its inequalities and all its disparities and all its, privileges and all its good things that it brings to people individuals in t- in terms of individual success becoming affluent in their in their over the course of their lives they're, they're essentially skyrocketing away from whatever whatever position they were before and it's all it's a movement outwards from the base of its roots and you can think if you think of you think of the capitalist exploitation of nature as the same thing where we use we exploit we exploit natural resources in order to move beyond nature, in order to, to pull ourselves farther and farther away. Right. And the logic of continued economic growth um, simply is more and more of that. So we, we're, we move away from Earth, we inhabit other planets, and we simply grow physically as a species. Hmm. There's no real end game to that at all. It's simple growth and a, pres- and a presumed learning things and getting better along the way. Right. But primarily physical growth is the... Is the key. Uh, yeah, the main, the main factor. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, think I think to create a sustainable world, it would require a reorientation to face again the earth, to face again each other, and not always be implementing that which already divides us. Like if you think of Canada as a country divided between provinces, the simple unwillingness to cooperate, the unwillingness of oil producers like Alberta and I'm told Saskatchewan, I don't know to what degree, and um, other types of energy production that we could be doing in the country. It's simply an, an unwillingness to understand each other as co-citizens or, 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 or co, co-provinces in, in a collective nation. It's, it's, it's an unwillingness to understand each other's needs and actually cooperate with each other based on a collective need. Like, like, it, like there's so much attachment to the, the individual... Um, and it, quite quite understandably, Alberta doesn't want to get rid of its oil or, or stop producing its main economic driver. But it, there's no reason why we couldn't produce windmills or produce geothermal or other t- or invest strong in other types. And even if that economic activity is somewhere in Ontario or Quebec or Manitoba, um, that wealth could be redistributed to Alberta, to Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. to the provinces that are losing money to maintain the the overall economic engine. Right. So. In, it, it, perhaps, like if you think of political revolution, maybe uh, more, maybe more like an ideological revolution, and perhaps mm-hmm. that requires a political revolution as well. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's just a release of the of the constant position of difference and and things that uh, divide individuals from each other, individuals from themselves, from from the earth, and uh, provinces from each other, countries from each other. Right. Yeah, because I was I was I was, was going to bring up the fact that this is sort of. That sort of othering. I don't know if we can come to that sort of breaking down of really seeing one another as as citizens of the world, that kind of idea, without an other to sort of look towards. Um, if I, you know, as without as an other to brace humanity against. Exactly. Very much so. Yes. You see a lot of uh, connections with people, but it's always it's always sort of an in group out group sort of thing. There's never one just gigantic in group, and I think we're seeing more and more a push towards that sort of collaborative nature, sort of the idea of the collaborative being the best. And you sort of see it with, you know, with open source technology. The technology is doing with a big the job. With the internet alone. With the internet alone, exactly, yeah. But with collaborative projects and all the different ways that the internet lets you do collaborative projects, that you sort of see a rebirth of this sort of idea that collaboration is the way to go. Mm-hmm. In a similar way that tool library exists and resource, alternate resource economies, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's sort of the way we need to be headed, but that goes against so much of human nature that I'm not sure if we'll get there fast enough. I mean, like, it depends, like, that's, that's, again, it would be another aspect of simple human evolution. I mean, like, if we think of individ- humans having accidentally evolved into consciousness, or whatever, maybe they started eating better, or took some sort of type of food that created consciousness or, or developed consciousness out of natural evolution. But it rather requires an actual act of will to consciously and purposely, purposefully evolve as a species away from uh, that which creates our problems, that which divides us. And I don't think, if you think of requiring an other against which to brace humanity in order to come together as a species, that other could easily be whatever humanity is now or whatever it was 50 or however long years ago. The the other is uh, ourselves and where mm. we came from. The other the other is the old way of, is a, is an old way of thinking. Right. Um, and so, like to, to to face the earth again as a as a as not a mere as not a mere resource or not not a, not a, not a mere um, heartbeat that, mm. that that allows our species to expand throughout the universe. Um. And it, it incorporates the the the, ac- the actual natural earth into ourselves as 
as beings on it. Right. What it seems to be saying is that what you think the the way out of the fact that you think the world is currently getting uh, is is at least almost the world is getting worse. You seem you seem you can make book go both ways. I think that my basic argument is that the massive progress we're making in many many social issues does not currently outweigh the complete travesty that we're wrecking upon our future generations. That's my basic belief. I totally am very happy when we get great social movements forward. I think that's fantastic, but. The world in a hundred years can be drastically different from we are now, and it's because of what we're doing now. So I can't, I can't get on board with though. It's definitely getting better. I mean, I think it's, I think it's obviously currently getting worse, and we can we can be optimistic and think that overall things inevitably get better. But that that, that, that's, that there's no real there's nothing stopping it from just continuing getting worse. It's, right. it's like it's I guess it's a type of gambler's fallacy to assume that bad things always produce better things, or that Eventually, hard, yeah. hardships always outcome or, or yeah outcome in. Uh, Positive things that were better than yeah when it when it began, but I also think it can be potentially dangerous to to make that assumption. As right. I said, I mean, as I said at the beginning, just because uh, you're taking the onus off of yourself or off of anybody, just mm-hmm. assuming that the logic of the universe itself will make it better. Will just things just yeah. get better over time? Yeah. Um, but time is infinite, so like, why would we? What does it even mean to say things infinitely right. get better? Yeah, because eventually, how much better can things get? Yeah, like like what is that? Okay. Um, so yeah, I guess we're both being pessimistic. Yeah, we're, we're both being quite pessimistic. I think, uh, as we always ask for comments, I would love to get here some more positive comments about what people <laughs> well, think. What's interesting of of what we can do. Yeah. Um, or what maybe just arguments for why the world's getting better. I mean, well, what's interesting is that uh, there's this, there was this dude I saw interviewed on uh, the Daily Show, and then he I think he passed away. I mean, a few years after I saw it, he might have had some sort of uh, terminal illness. I think. But he said that he was a pessimist, and a proud pessimist, because he, he, he characterized pessimism as simple, detail-oriented thinking, and optimism as general uh, mm. or generalized thinking and, mm. and abstracting from the details. Which, I mean, is that, I mean, that type of uh, characterization is um, mirrored in, in the idea that things inevitably just get better, because that's right. a generalization. Yeah. Whereas when you think about things getting worse, you always point out specific details mm. of, it, of why it's getting worse. Um. But I mean, I do think people's social attitudes and social norms, the, in terms of in terms of barriers dividing people and, and, and uh, hindering collaboration, I think there's there's strong evidence for that. Obviously, becoming better, just in terms of the way we're able to communicate on uh, via the internet, mm. things so quickly and, and able able to as as crowds. I mean, there are obvious there are obviously philosophies that vilify the crowd. Right. And say that uh, groupthink is, is bad. And I've honestly, um, what's funny about that is I've written, I, I remember writing a thing when I was quite young about the stupidity of crowds <laughs> and how much, and, and, and how ever, and crowds end up inevitably tending towards the lowest common denominator. Yeah. In the crowd. When really it's just as, it's just as logically possible that they could be easily, easily rallied around the most powerful and the best idea out mm-hmm. of the group. Mm-hmm. Right? So like, there, there's this sort of like sort of the dual possibility there of right. having to capitulate to the well, lowest common. What's interesting, order. actually, is that uh, is that's been shown that markets are the best predictor of of things. What do you mean? Uh, well, there's uh, Nate Silver's book uh, that that I that I read mm-hmm. a while back, which the name escapes me right now. Signal and noise. He writes about how the fact that they've done a lot of when they when you create a market actually for for predicting things, the markets predict best basically. So if you get enough people betting on whether or not it's th- and it's interesting, it's things like it's, it's it includes things like polls and like uh, or like who's going to win an election. If you get enough people in a market of buying and selling stocks 
of who's going to win an election. It's one. Of, it's 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 an incredibly strong predictor. You're, so you're right. getting yeah. Because what people are willing to spend their money on. Basically, and 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 the people who and 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 it tends towards the like. There's not the one wild card guy, and or like includes that card wild card, but everyone else's points matter as well. Mm. And so there's and so there's a basically if you get enough people all putting actual resources into these predictions, mm. uh, then they actually they they're they're very good, mm. and they're better than almost any single person's predictions anywhere. Uh, so it shows the value of, this isn't even, and, and what's interesting is that that sort of is a more capitalist approach because it sort of shows the value of collaboration, even when collaboration isn't the purpose, mm. even when collaboration is in fact the opposite. Mm. Like the, even it's this, this type of collaboration is in fact competition mm. it's, it's complete. It's the exact opposite. We consider the opposite, but because they're all competing in the same marketplace, mm. it actually effectively does very well. Mm. And I think there's, it goes back to a point that's often made that, Capitalism would be a great system if we actually were seeing cap if we were living in a capitalist society, but you know with the fact that everyone isn't born into the same deck, everyone isn't given dealt the same hand, that that's what really solves that that's what caused the problems. Mm. Like if every single person was born in right, you get this exact childhood, yeah. and see what you can do, and everyone gets that exact childhood, and no no advantages, no disadvantages from their parents or from and nothing and nothing else that then, which is essentially impossible. Essentially impossible, but that that's sort of the capitalist ideal. Yeah, which is which always, which always makes it funny is whenever strong capitalists are against things like like inheritance taxes. Mm. Because in reality, if you think the world should be all should be done by the market, then you shouldn't be allowed to give your kid all your stuff. Yeah, and then it, what was it? People create foundations in order to avoid. Yeah. Having in order to able to pass large sums of money down. Yeah, exactly. Which which inherently flaws the quote unquote market, which is apparently what's the most important. And, and you know, who am I? Again, the, then the question is, who are you to say I can give my money to my child? Which is again fair. Exactly. You but can't, like, which you can't really do. It's but like I think people how many children to have. Well, exactly. But I think, but at the same time, I think there's, I think that there is, I, I, I think the under, I understand the reason why there should be inheritance mm-hmm. taxes, and I think, and they should. That's a, it's because if markets can be useful and if yeah. you can get that to work correctly then you're doing great but you have to give everyone a, a starting point mm. um, which is sort of off topic so if we're gonna, and we're running out of time I'll give you a last thought then I'll get, say last thought and then we'll, we'll end this before I throw it over to you I think what's worth questioning is is the fact that we're even asking this question a sign that things are at least moving in the right direction because you know 50, 60 years ago the idea was just that consumerism is good because it helps the economy, and that's it. And you can see ads back there. There's not even a consideration of what the system they're creating was wrong. Mm-hmm. There were some people sort of on the fringes saying, like, we should just do some other stuff, but it wasn't a main, It wasn't even close to mainstream. And not saying we're necessarily close to mainstream right now, but you're definitely at least seeing the conversation come up more and more. And the idea of corporate sustainability is having to be shoved into corporations. I would never, would never have to think about that in the past. Mm-hmm. So may, perhaps the fact that this question is even being asked is, a, is, is, is an indication of some positivity. But I'll give you a sort of last thought on... I mean, there's no sense in summing anything up. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, we're going through some hard times right now. Everyone's confused about uh, what type of jobs they'll get. People ask me what I'm going to do after I graduate, and tell them a job that gives me money. <laughs> and they, um, and I mean, it's even it's like you have older people. I think there's more optimism in in the younger generation than there is in the older generation mm. because because they they've seen whatever they lived their lives. God knows mm. what they did with them or felt when they were graduating. But they're also they're so worried about. Um, they, they think the idea of of simply having a job 
because the jobs are so scarce um, that it's just that it's just terrible. But I think people are willing to take more risks and um, uh, put themselves out there simply because things aren't being given to them. It's not it's not as if we like like straight career paths are dying out mm. in the sense of obviously working for a company and getting a pension and retiring. It forces people to be more creative with their lives. And which I think is an inherently better thing, even if people are going to be more impoverished hmm. uh, overall. Hmm. Um, as long as I presume the impoverished doesn't actually mean true poverty. No, not obviously. Obviously, uh, like we can say that university graduates these days aren't going to be impoverished, right, exactly. But more so than potentially their parents were when right, they graduated. Exactly. So in 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 times of greater scarcity or or um, yeah, less abundance of obvious things to do with your life. I think creates better things and creates, forces people to be more creative and in the end creates better ideas. Hmm. That's an excellent uh, finishing thought, especially because it's, it's hilariously that, re- that, that remark uh, very much mirrors not only a comment we've, we had, Darren and I had in a conversation a couple of weeks ago, hmm. or now it's probably a month and a half ago given that the, the two-week layoff we had on the, sh- on the show, hmm. when we talked about Generation Screwed and the idea of that the future generations were so, or pa- our past generations, like our parents and our parent grandparents, hmm. were so scared for us because they were judging our lives on what they understood their lives to be. Yeah. Rather, where we want to be judged are on how we want to be, and that's a whole different hmm. thing. Yeah. But it's also funny, the idea of necessity requiring creativity hmm. uh, was a very similar quote that was given to me by my boss, or my last boss, oh, uh, when she basically laid me off. Yeah. Which was, you know, sometimes when you get pushed out, you just got to find something. That's what really, that's really needs you to get it to go. Yeah. And I was like, thanks. That was, that's what I needed to hear yeah. right now as I'm losing my job. Which is a ridiculous platitude, but I think it's a powerful, coming from her. Yeah. I think it's a powerful idea. I think so too. And in, 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 in both her defense and in her, I'm, some said it did. I, I, I sort of had, it forced me to make a decision and it forced me to go out and do what I'm doing right now, which I, I'm quite enjoying. We'll see if it's success. If it's not a success, I'll try something else. But it's at least, it's at least it got me doing something. Mm. So maybe she was right. Maybe that's something I'll remember to the end of the day is mm. that one line I'll never, yeah, I'll which, never but, forget. But it. should also, that kind of sentiment should never be used as a defense of continued oppression. <laughs> right. Exactly. People in power yes. simply being like you, you. You are now being freed to be more creative because I have all the money. Exactly. Yes. And I, I don't think sense. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't accuse my boss of of of, of oppressing me in any way. But <laughs> I understand the sentiment. Um, so uh, I'll finish it off with that sort of thought. Maybe. 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 Maybe we do have to get more creative. Maybe that's the way to sort of get ourselves out of this. Uh, I think, and I think there's a lot of real, really cool, positive things out there. I think we, we talked about the maker community last week, last time on Power Bar, with Power Bar. Maker community. Oh, that's, that's um, linked to the, uh, the OSE thing. Yeah. The maker, well, the maker community is a whole, is a whole thing. It's really cool. Yeah, uh, with same with tool library and all these sort of other alternate resources economies that are coming up and uh, out of place. And it's all very interesting. And there's a lot of, these are truly creative ways to get around this sort of thing. So maybe that's the future. Maybe not. We'll figure it out. But if you have any comments, please leave them here on this. And we'll, we, again, we, we've, we're continuing our pledge to respond to every single comment we get. So far, we're at three comments total for, I think, I guess it's seven shows. So we're. This is the seventh show? This is the eighth show. Uh, uh but I can't say if I can't come on this one yet. Cause I, I show heard. Octo. Yeah, exactly. So by all means, please do comment. We'll love to talk to you guys about it. That's sort of what we're, our goal here is to continue on the conversation. We're going to try to get some more Beyond Green members to come back people who actually talked at the conference. So if you are in one of them, let us know and we'll contact you. But as far as it goes, please let us know what you think about is the world getting better? Can How can you make it better if it's not getting better? And any thoughts on the show whatsoever? This is, again, Modest Mouse. 
uh, with a seven-minute-long song. So you might uh, so be ready for that if you're listening to the whole thing. It's uh, all nice on ice, all right. It's called Styrofoam Boots. Plus that.
two, three, four.